Hello and welcome to Balance City with your host, me, moi, Danielle. We're going to talk all about the juicy stuff, about relationships, about business, about mental health, all the things when it comes to the journey of life, right? And what you'll see along the way is no one's perfect. We all have our shit, (laughs) to be frankly honest. And I am so thankful that you're here to be on this journey with me. And I'm going to have some epic guests sharing their story. And I just cannot wait to get this started. So let's go. And welcome back. I am so excited that you guys are here because today I have Chris Martin here. Um, We met on Clubhouse. And again, I say it every time. If you are not on this incredible app, you need to be because the connections and the collaborations are just incredible. The people that you meet is just, I can't say enough about it, but Chris, I'm going to pass you the mic and kind of give like kind of an intro and then we'll kind of go from there. Hey, you bet. Uh, So my name is Chris Martin. Uh, I was in the military, active duty for eight years, U.S. Navy, uh, special operations, did uh, two years private military service after work for the State Department back over in Iraq. Uh, came back home, or really didn't uh, fit in, you know, so I started my own uh, business. Uh, really never worked in the corporate world or for anybody else. I've started a few businesses along the way. Um, and then last year, we got into multifamily investing. Uh, as a lot of us are doing nowadays, being in uh, the Grant Cardone community. And so mm-hmm. those are the, the two big avenues in my life right now is, is self-employment and multifamily. I love that. I love that. So let's kind of go into your journey uh, in the military, right? Um, what, what made you go, what, what made you like sign up for the military to begin with? Steve Danielle, this is where it gets real. All right. So, and, and I want to get real. Let's get real. Let's get real. I, uh, I was a very problematic child. Okay. My parents probably prayed every night um, that they wish they didn't have me. Okay. I, I used mm. to be uh, a big troublemaker. I used to have um, a very short um, you know, temper and I used to get in a lot of fights and I grew up, um, you know, training and learning how to fight. And, and so it, uh, it, it got me in a lot more trouble in school than I should have. Right. And so it came to a point, um, to where I, I had nowhere to go. Uh, I had done got kicked out of high school. I was going to school after school to, uh, complete, uh, my courses online. This was back in 2002, uh, or no, 2000, 2001, 2002, where computer learning really wasn't a thing yet. Plus, I was in East Texas, so it was all kinds of witchcraft when I was doing classes on the computer. You know, they didn't know what kind of magic that was. And so <laughs> I finished out my 11th and 12th grade year in about nine months uh, doing computer based learning. Um, and then I moved um, to South Texas, chased a girl down there, um, went to Texas AM in Kingsville. Um, and was there in school and college, uh, you know, for uh, the initial invasion into Iraq, right? And so they they came to school and they were like, "Hey, you know, uh, we're looking for people to sign up." And I had nothing going on, you know. I was I was in the armpit of hell, uh, South Texas, and 
college really wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, and I was like, you know what, let's do this. You know, I'm, I, I, you know, my whole life up until that point, had just been, just been a crap show anyways. And, um, so I joined the military and as soon as I got in, I was like, I want to be the best, the biggest, the baddest, you know? And of course that set off a, a chain of events of people, um, that, that, basically get in your face and yell at you. I went in the Navy. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. That was like my ultimate goal. It's the only thing I ever wanted to do in life. And so when you tell people in the Navy that you want to be a Navy SEAL, they bring out the real Navy SEALs and then they make you feel like a little girl. Mm -hmm. And, um, and basically they do that for about 18 months and either you quit or you, you become a Navy SEAL. Right. And so uh, bringing my past into things, I got in the military and what did I do? I, I got in trouble. I got in trouble for fighting. Um, mm -hmm. I got in trouble for having a, a short uh, temper and, and for back talking. Authority was never really a strong suit of mine, right? I never, never paid attention to authority much. And so I lost my opportunity to become a Navy SEAL. And mm -hmm. um, they, they offered me a, a secondary place, uh, which was an, an explosive ordnance disposal technician, basically uh, d disarming bombs, right? Um, and that that's where I was able to get my second chance in life. And it was at that moment to where I lost my biggest goal, my biggest dream and had to take second place um, that I realized I was like, I got to keep my mouth shut. I got, I got to mm. learn to just, just do what I'm told um, and stop being so angry all the time. And so it was from that point that the military really became more than an escape which was what I originally used it for. I, I didn't have a good upbringing. I wasn't doing well in college. Um, you know, the relationship I was in down there didn't work out. Um, and so I was using the military as an escape route and it, it turned into a blessing. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it turned into a blessing and a curse. Um, but through the, the military, it was, it was a blessing initially. I don't regret that one day of my life. It was, I probably met more people in the military um, that are like family to me than my own family. Like I could call some of my mm -hmm. friends in the military and, and tell them that, you know, I'm standing in front of a gunman right now. And it, they would come from all over the country, you know, at a drop of a hat, you know, my own family probably wouldn't do that. They'd be like, duck, you know? Um, and so the military was, is, is, and was great. It's a camaraderie that you just can't find in any other industry in life. You, you can't go work for a company. Um, you can't join uh, Boy Scouts of America or a church of your choosing and find people that will willingly put their life on the line for you only because you're willing to put your life on the line for them. There's a, a mm. connection, a closeness um, of brothers that way, men and women, um, that, that you just can't put into words. First of all, I thank you for your service. And I just, I just want to take a moment because this is why I love to podcast because I love hearing these stories and getting really deep with people and how they became who they are today. Because I simply saw you on an app. I saw your wife on the app. But we don't get this interaction on an app. Agreed. We get this interaction while we're face-to-face -face and talking to each other. And 
I really feel, and I'm so glad and honored that you are here talking about your journey because I know that my listeners want to hear this 100%. Um, So my next question for you is, when you went to Iraq, what was that experience like? Because I know that, I mean, I had fam- I have family members, like I have an uncle that, you know, went to Vietnam and, and they, you know, he would not, he doesn't talk about it with his family. So, and before we chatted, we, before I pressed record, you said you want to get deep. So yeah. how comfortable are you to talk about your experience in Iraq? So, yeah, you, you got two people, right? You got people that, mm. that, that overly talk and then you got people mm. that won't talk about it. Um, I'll talk about it. I, I don't mind. Okay. Um, I, I, I won't, I won't sugarcoat it. Right. So, mm. um, no. I'm not going to get into great detail, um, but mm-hmm. I will give the experience, the atmosphere, the energy and the purpose because, there, there's a lot of people, this, this country is divided, right? People that believe in war, people that are against it. Um, and, and the one thing that you learn uh, being in the military, and it's not all military, right? There, there's jobs in the military of people that, that work at a store, you know? So mm-hmm. there's people that still don't understand why they joined because they needed a paycheck or they were going to go to jail or the judge told them to for probation, whatever it is. There's all kinds of reasons people join the military, but people that join the military to fight um, understand one thing. It has nothing to do with their belief system. It has nothing to do with what they feel is right. They don't give an opinion one way or another on war or what country they're invading. They are simply following orders because that's the right thing to do. Is it mm-hmm. right that we invaded Iraq? It's not my choice. It's not my decision. If you want my personal opinion, no, we shouldn't have gone, but we did. Mm-hmm. And I was there and I wasn't going to you know, treat it like it was anything else. Because at the end of the day, I was fighting for my country, not fighting for my personal beliefs. And I will fight for my country no matter if it's right or wrong, because if I don't and none of us fight, then we're just vulnerable to anybody that wants to attack. So there will always be us that fight no matter if the reason's right or wrong. Now, um, Iraq, I believe, was, was, was just handled inappropriately. Uh, let's, let's take the invasion, right? Um, there was a time during the initial invasion to where uh, all U.S. and Allied forces were lined up outside of the city during the initial invasion, and uh, there was bullhorns, and, and these mm. messages were going out, right, to where, all across the city. And basically, the message was you have 24 hours to get out. If you are caught in the city, you're done. You're dead. Mm. You're a target. You're a threat. You're an enemy. So you have 24 hours to get out. If we see you moving, you're dead. Now, take into account what actually happened. And the TV and the news don't show this, but that's exactly what happened. There was just a convoy rolling down the city, just clearing the city block by block, building by building. Um, the Iraq war was, was, was just, it's very, um, very dramatic. Mm. It was, it was, it was a, um, a show of force. It was not, I don't, I don't think it was purposeful for the reason that the, the United States believes we were there. There was no WMDs. 
There was no mm-hmm. nuclear weapons. Never found anything of that. But uh, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, we did the regime change in Iraq previously. We put Saddam in power. Didn't work out, so we took him out of power. We put Maliki in power. That hasn't been working out. That's why we're still in Iraq, right? So we're a victim of our own choices and decisions. That's never going to change. War is never what it is on TV and never what it is in the news. It's never for the reasons you believe it is. It is simply a power grab. If you look at Iraq uh, and the northeastern part uh, is where the Kurds are. Um, there's basically three people in Iraq. You got the Sunnis, the Shiites, and the Kurds. The Kurds, they, they control all the oil deposits or 90% of the oil deposits in Iraq. Um, the Iraqi government was against the Kurdish government. Um, the United States was on the side of the Kurds. So, of course, you know, we went in there to get our oil back. That's why we went to Iraq. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you take the real reason of why we were there in Iraq, and then you put it on top of uh, of war games, right? It's... Mm-hmm. How do you put this? Um, nowadays, there's rules of engagement. There are rules of engagement back then. Basically, as a U.S. soldier, you cannot be fi- you cannot fire until fired upon, right? And so you have to actively be engaged and fire um, in order to return fire. And then basically, your whole mission is to get off the X, right? To just leave the danger zone. Even when you're clearing or going through town, your whole objective is to neutralize the threat and then move past. Um, It's really not objective-based as to a mission itself other than to neutralize the threat. That's the objective in war, neutralize the threat. So when you go there, you see things that just just change. You see things that when you see a movie and you see a kid die, all right, that hits you, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, because they're, they're, they're trying to elicit an emotional response. That's why they use women, children, elderly people in movies and dramatic scenes, right? They want the emotional response from the viewer. When you see that, that happen in real life and you look at the guy next to you and his face is the same as it was three seconds before that happened, that's really what, what, engagement looks like there's no emotion you could shoot a 12 year old you could shoot a 120 year old you could shoot a 50 year old you could shoot a 36 year old you could get shot by a 12 year old and emotion never comes into it it's a survival game it's you or me it's never going to be me so don't be you if you don't want it to be you because i don't care who you are right Mm. and that's the mentality over there and that's, that's what the, 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 the average person doesn't understand. They are for or against war, and they, but they believe that the people over there that are fighting are for war. No, I'm for staying alive. I don't mm. care who you are. It's just not going to be me. You know, and, and, and that's, that's, that's what a real operator's outlook is, is, yeah, you know, I love my country. Uh, I love my brother, um, but I love my family more. And my family loves me, and so I got to get home. And so they're, they're just, that's the mission. The mission is to get home. So let's talk about, let's talk about home. So you, you're, you experienced all that, right? You come home with everything that you dealt with in Iraq. How did you get back to, quote, unquote, normal life? Um, 
Because that must have been, I mean, because that must have been hard. I mean. I've been out for about 12 years. Mm-hmm. Been been completely out of the whole thing. The private military was my last stint. Um, and that ended in 2012. So I've been out for 10 years, mm-hmm. 10 years, two months. Um, and I still deal with it. Like if you, if you ask my wife, like I had a short temper when I was growing up, there's a lot to do with my childhood. I was kicked out of the house at 16, living in a tent for two months. You hear those stories about how they ride their bike uphill in the snow, 10 miles both ways. Well, I did that crap. You know, I, 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 I completed school. My own. Like I had a crappy childhood. Right. And so I had anger issues grow, going in. The military mm-hmm. taught me how to channel those anger issues, but they did not tell me how to get rid of the anger issues. All they did was tell me to use it for my advantage. So when I got out, I was um, arrogant, cocky, mm-hmm. short tempered, and I was, I was not a better person out of the military. Like when I got out, I had more problems than when I went in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I knew how to do two things. I knew how to shoot a gun and dive like, and nobody was hiring a gun at the moment. So I had to figure out how to make money off of diving. And, uh, my anger, like you can ask my wife, like, like I get upset easily. Like, and I don't, it's not her fault. You know, like she has to like, give me this look and tell me to, you know, calm down. And I, I'm a lot better now. It's taken me 10 years, but I'm able to, to, to acknowledge my issue, right? As soon as it's brought to my intention, I bring it back down because that's not my intent. My intent is not to be angry. It doesn't mean that I can't get angry. Um, Did you have to do like some work within yourself? Like what kind of, what kind yes, of? Yes, absolutely. So mm-hmm. I never believed that my anger was my fault. I believed mm-hmm. that my anger was a skill set. And so when I got out, I did not deny my anger, nor did I want to subside my anger because it had been honed. That skill set had been honed in. It was, it was mm-hmm. a great, you know, great thing to have now. And it does not help you as a civilian, right? And, and, the, and the, one of the biggest separations, as I had separation anxiety when I got out, I lost all my brothers. I lost my support system. I lost a steady paycheck on the 1st and 15th of every month. I lost a place to stay, you know, like I lost everything when I got out and you wake up the next morning and you have, you go from having a purpose that's told you are the tip of the spear. You're in, you're actively engaged in operations that defend this country's freedom on a daily basis. Decisions that you make directly affect millions of people back in the United States. That's your level of responsibility. And then you wake up the next day and you ask yourself, what, what do I do today? And the truthful answer is you don't have to do shit if you don't want to, because you don't have a purpose anymore. You have no responsibilities. You ain't got a job. Nobody has to listen to you and you don't have to listen to anybody else. Now, heartbreaking that is to wake up one day and you're basically, you're just useless. You're, you're a leech on society because now you, you give no value. And, mm. and that's a drastic different. I mean, that's black and white. You go from fighting for your country one day to if you were gone tomorrow, nobody would even know the difference because at this point, you're just nothingness, you know? And so uh, anger, anger was definitely an issue. And if it wasn't for Lisa, I I had been through a lot of, of, of women and 
none of them were strong enough to to put up with my bull crap. I'll tell you that. And the, it, Lisa, Lisa <laughs> took the cake. I love it. I love it. Yes. And um, I, I, I had, I had your friend Adam here. Um, and the episode is, uh, is this week. And did you have a similar moment to him where he had that? moment of, I don't want to live anymore. Mm. Yeah. So let's be honest about that, right? I grew up my entire life thinking that people that committed suicide um, were very, very, very strong people. And everybody would Mm. argue with me and they'd be like, no, they're weak. They quit. They took the easy way out. And I said, as many times as I've, you know, practiced downrange, practiced on targets, you know, just been active, an active shooter. As many times as I've pulled the trigger, that's easy. To pull the trigger on yourself, 99.9% of all people can't even bite their own hand to draw blood. What makes you think they're going to put a gun in their mouth and pull the trigger because that's the easy way out? It takes a strong, messed up individual to, to, to commit suicide. And I used to think, my whole life that that was it Mm. until I was sitting in my apartment after I got out of the military and I, you know, couldn't find work. Um, Bills were piling up. Didn't have a girlfriend because nobody would stay with me. Um, All of my, my, my buddies were still in the military. Like I literally had nothing. And I, I never thought that the suicide thought would come into my mind. I never thought that I had what it took to take my own life, right? Because I really thought that was a strong person that it takes such courage to do that. And I remember sitting in the recliner thinking that it would be easy. Like it, it'd be so easy because after all of the experiences I've had and watching life fade in the different forms that it can. I had this thought of peace that, mm. that it's just so steel. Like, like when, when you see it, it, they're just still. And I couldn't find any peace in my own life. I couldn't find a way to make everything around me just quiet. And when you can't get away from yourself and you can't get away from the world, you don't know how else to separate the two except for, I mean, that, you know, I never thought that I would have that thought. And when I had it, like my mom passed away, I think I shed two, two tears mm-hmm. um, just because I really loved my mom. And, and, but I, I've always tried to be this strong person in my family. But when I had that thought and I was sitting in that chair by myself, like I remember one of like four times in my life where I've really broke down and cried. And that was one of them because I just never thought that I would have that thought and to have that thought enter my head. Just, it was like, this is rock bottom. It, it just can't get any worse than this. And then what brought you back to reality? Like I, this, I, I gotta, no, this isn't, this isn't me. This is not, this is not what's going to happen. My biggest, my biggest thought of failure was that I was out of the military. 
that mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't find purpose and nothing around me was was giving me purpose and I couldn't find anywhere to fit in. And um, you know, maybe, maybe I think I took the coward's way out and I went back to the military. I I was like, you know, that this is where I need to be. And, you know, I wasn't strong enough to go out there my first time around as a civilian. That had been my only job as an adult, you know, was the military. And so I didn't know how anything else operated. Um, and so I went back and I was like, you know, hey, and, you know, they were like, do you want to come back on active duty? And I was like, well, what are my options? And they were like, well, you can come back in the reserves and we'll just put you on active duty orders. And that way, whenever you're ready to go out, you can just get off active duty orders. Right. And I was like, well, that's great. And so I did that uh, for like another 12 to 14 months, something like that. And then, um, you know, Triple Canopy, one of the contracting agencies called me up and they were like, hey, you know, we've got this going on. And uh, I, I transferred right over into that and then went back on, you know, inactive reserve. And, and But I was still back overseas with a third party company. But now I was making, you know, I was making stupid money and I was, you know, because of what I had done in the military prior, because of the people that I had connected with, I went straight into the ambassador's detail at the embassy. So instead of like living in a little tiny trailer out in the desert somewhere on a fob, you know, I was wearing, you know, custom tailored suits with body armor and <laughs> yeah. driving in seven series BMWs and a little different, you know, a little different at the, the minister of interiors house, you know, right. with, with all of his security <laughs> details. So it was a great experience. Um, and it, it really was the uptick that I needed when I went back in the military, I immediately had purpose. If it wasn't, and that's that I'm so, so pro military and pro law enforcement because of the camaraderie and the family that you can build, people just don't understand what kind of purpose it gives you in life, what kind of responsibility you have. I mean, you are the front line of this country, right? Nobody, people believe that cops are the problem, but nobody wants to do the job. You know, they don't want to do the job, but they want to complain about the person, right? If, if, they, if they knew what was happening overseas, police are babysitters compared to what the military does to, to, to foreign enemies. Like, that, that's why people don't talk about it. There's shit mm. that goes on overseas that's it's ridiculous because you're in another country and who's going to stop you, right? And, and so people talk shit about the police, but the people that are doing the jobs that, that nobody else really wants to do, it's 10 times more horrific. And there's 10 times less rules and regulations. It really does. It always comes down to you or me. And if the other person's not there to bitch about it, you know, your story is whatever you tell it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so. But I feel like, I, but I feel like I, I don't think a lot of people like you talk, aren't, aren't putting themselves out there and talking about their experience and really showing other people, this is what's happening. Like, this is actually what's happening. Like, listen to me. You know, you know, I think it's the same reason why law enforcement does, you know, the same way. Right. I mean, we don't we Mm -hmm, don't. mm -hmm. One thing we don't want to get our brothers in trouble. Right. There's 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 crazies no matter which which industry and field you're in. And there's people that um, are trained to do the things in this country that that 99.9 percent of people do not want to do and they don't want to ask questions about it. They just want the results. 
And those people, some of those people, um, go to the extreme and, and doing their job to the fullest extent. Right. And so people don't want to talk about it probably because they don't want to shed light on it. Right. I mean, you don't, Mm -hmm. the people that do the things that you don't want to do, you don't want to stop those people from doing those things that you don't want to do because the things that they're doing, you still don't know about and you don't want to know about, you know, nobody wants to question those people, you know, no, no, nobody wants to change in leadership on that end of the spectrum. You want to let those people do it because that that's that's the stuff nobody talks about. Well, I mean, what I and what I love is that now now you're out of the military, you're you're, you're with your family, and now you're you're building this other mm-hmm. business. Which do you feel like a sense of purpose with that now? Has that kind of you know relieved you, like filled your heart a little bit? Yes. So when I, mm-hmm. when I went back into the private sector, I was given a lot of responsibility, a lot of leadership, and a lot of independence um, to operate on a, you know, a, a new level, a diplomatic level, right? And so it gave me a whole new mindset as to what it meant to be an adult, a person, mm-hmm. and what capabilities one can have. So as when I got out of the military, I came back and I immediately looked for a follower position, right? An employee at a company. I wanted to go work for somebody, for somebody to tell me what to do so that I could do it and be, do it to the best of my abilities. When I got back from the private military, I had had so much independence that I was like, what can I do to support myself for myself and give value to somebody else by providing a service? Um, and so that's when I looked to start my own company. And, and that's exactly what I did. And I took the diplomatic understanding and communication and, and relationships that I had made with high-level individuals and, and the way that they speak and carry themselves. And I took that and, and implemented that into a business world when I wasn't from the corporate world. So I didn't know how people talked to each mm-hmm. other, how mm-hmm. business was conducted, you know, how everything was documented. I got my ass handed to me so many times in my own company by not documenting my, my words and my correspondence to people. And, and I found out real quick that the corporate world is nothing more than a domestic battlefield. Everybody mm-hmm. is in it for themselves. And at the end of the <laughs> day, so they want to go home, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they don't care about uh-huh. anybody else in front of them, you know? Yep. And, that, and I think that, that understanding the relationship between the two really helped me accelerate, um, you know, being able to provide. And again, when I, you know, I own my own company, but when I met Lisa, um, that's really when my company started to, to, to grow. And with mm-hmm. Lisa, we, we took the business to over a million dollars a year in revenue, um, because of her, because of her being in my life and in her making me a better person. Um, until then, like it was, you know, it was, it was a mom and pop organization. Yeah. I owned it. Yeah. I was running it. Um, but it was very stagnant, you know? And so every good man needs a great one. I will say that. Mm, I love that. Can you say that again? Every good man <laughs> needs a great woman. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. I love that. I love that. And I think you are a perfect example of a servant leader on both ends. You've served in the military. You were a servant leader there. Now, this business that you built, you were a servant leader there with your partner, with Lisa. And it's commendable. It truly, truly is. And 
My last question for you is when you look at Lisa, right? And you look at your family, what kind of, what kind of legacy do you want to leave them? So we've had this conversation, actually. My mm-hmm. legacy, mm-hmm. and it's what I found out in, in, in business ownership, is to be a great leader um, is not to find credit for yourself, but to uplift and help others be great leaders. A great leader will build and mold great leaders. If you find a leader that has never produced a supervisor for a company that can go on to supervise somebody else, he's not creating leaders. He's not a good leader. A good leader will create leaders. When I, um, when I found Lisa and I found a higher purpose than what I have now, I look back and I look at, my, at Lisa and my family and I tell them that my legacy will be that others will know that I helped them, not the money we make, not how big the business gets, not what we have material, you know, material wise, but it will be that I spent more time trying to help others be greater than what they currently are than I spent on my own time trying to be great. Like right before we got on this call, I was on a call with another team of real estate investors in the 10X community, but they Mm -hmm. have been going at it, trying to get their first deal in a contract. And they, you know, they came at me with a very uh, lucrative proposal. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all they wanted was me to come into their team and help them walk through the deals. And I told them, I I declined their proposal. And I said, here's what I'll do. I'll do it for free. Like I will help you close as many deals as you want, help you lock down the process help you understand A to Z, what it is, but I don't want anything from it. I just want you to be better at what we're doing. And so that is, and Lisa's the same way. I would much rather have people carry my name on because I, I, I was part of their life than because I gave them some money or because mm-hmm. I was rich. Because if you get that stigmata about you, that's what will carry. Ah, oh, he was a rich old white guy. That's the last thing I want somebody to think of me as. You know, I try to tan you know, four or five days a week, so at least they think I got a little mix in me or something. Like I, I don't want my color or my my wealth to be what people see me as. You know, um, and, and but I will say this: Lisa has reined that in. I have hmm. been giving way too many handouts. Um. Uh, and and hand ups at the same time that I have actually jeopardized my family in certain ways by giving too much and not understanding that who I give it to matters just as much as what I'm giving to them. So be very, you know, very picky in particular as to who you help in this life, because you'll find yourself given a lot of knowledge, effort, and time away to people that really don't want it or will do nothing with it. I hope, I hope people just like wrote that down because it's so true. I mean, and I know I, I'm kind of a, that as well. I'm such a giver that I just want everybody to succeed. And that's, a, I mean, again, going back to servant leader, that's what a servant leader does. You know, they, they want to give, they want to serve, they want what have you. And you have to be careful with, with who you're giving to. So I hope people were listening to what you just said, because that's so, so important. Um, 
my last thing for you, because I know, I know my listeners are going to want to connect with you um, in all the different platforms that you have, or, and also share if any, any types of things are going on that people need to, you know, connect with you with. So share all the things, because I'm going to put it all in my show notes. You talking about all my ways to get connected? Yeah, let's, let's connect. Yeah, let's sure. get my listeners connected. Yeah, you, uh, oh man, this is bad. I don't know any of my so, well, actually, hang on. Okay, so my Instagram and my Twitter are both the same. They're Chris Martin 10X. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, my Facebook, I think it's Chris Martin 10X, but my name on there is C.W. Martin because my wife doesn't want all my crazy exes finding me and starting <laughs> a bunch of crap. Hey, listen, I've had some crazies in my life. Okay, Danielle? Like, well, well, Facebook will do that 100%. 100%. So it's under C.W. Martin. But, uh, you know, if you want to reach me, email and want any information or just to chat, you know, if you're a veteran and you're going through some same stuff as well and you, and you want to just, you know, you need somebody to yell at and cuss at and, and tell them how bad they are at life, you can definitely get a hold of me. Uh, you can send it to uh, Chris and Lisa Martin at gmail.com. You can write me the craziest stuff. I'll read it. I'll make you feel good about yourself, uh, whatever I need to do. And if you want some, some multifamily um, information or you're looking to start your own business, um, and, or you're looking for an industry to start business in and you just don't know where to start, hit me up. I'll give you as much information as I can multiple times. Like I said, my wife will probably email you and tell you to stop contacting me because I will just <laughs> keep giving you information, but connect with me. I'd well, love it. <laughs> well, I love what you said there in, in regards to, if you want to just scream it, you know, want to just scream and, and, and get things out. Cause I said, I asked the same thing to Adam. I said, how would you want people to kind of do you do you want that as being, you know, in the military? Do you want somebody who is who is dealing with what you guys dealt with? Do you want somebody to reach out and get the help? And he said, 100 percent, 100 percent. So I am so happy you said that because I know I'm sure you're going to get messages. 100. Definitely. I'll tell you, I went to the VA. My wife told me one time and this is one of those honest moments. Right. So my Mm -hmm. wife told me this one time. She's like, you know, maybe you should see somebody. Maybe you should mm. find somebody to talk to. And I said, you know what? You're probably right. And so I went to the VA and I asked them for a therapist. And they gave me this lady that she was very therapeutic because she was an outlet. She had no idea what she was doing. Um, for her to uh, deal with combat vets, I think, is a mistake on the VA's part. Um, she was not qualified. But... Mm she let me say whatever I wanted to say. And my wife and I had, a, we, we've had a strenuous relationship because of the person I am. My wife is a saint. Okay. If anybody says one negative thing about my wife, I have people and I will figure out who you are, <laughs> where you're at. Okay. You can say it all day about me, but don't say it about my wife. Okay. So my wife deals with me. That's what she does. She deals with me. And I went to talk to this lady and I was just going off about my wife. I was just going off about our relationship, you know, and I was just telling her, you know, how mad she makes me and and how upset I get. And I was talking about all the little things that set me off, right? Little things that set me off. Not that she was doing that deserved me to get set off, but just set me off. And then she asked me this one question and she was, and and this is why she was a horrible therapist. She was like, oh my God, why are y'all still married? And I, and, and, I, and I, without a, like a split second, without hesitation at all, and I said, because I love her. 
you know, and mm-hmm. I had this sarcasm in my voice, like she had just attacked my wife after I sat there for probably a good 15 minutes and was like, okay. this bitch, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I did not use that word. So if Lisa listens to this, not use that word, but as soon as she asked me the question, it was without hesitation that I told her I still mm-hmm. loved her. So I knew that what Lisa and I had was, was meaningful, you know, but that I was the issue. You know, so I know that if there's somebody out there that's going through the same thing that just needs somebody to yell at, they're not looking for me to talk back to them, but they need somebody they can really just unload on and and know that it's all going to be okay, that they're not going to get their panties in a bunch, you know? And so that, I think that's what Adam's talking about. There's a lot of people out there that just have this, they don't know where to put it because there's not a qualified base out there that's, mm. that's just designed to take what these guys are coming back you know, um, there's not a combat veterans therapy association, you know, with right. combat veterans. Now, Marcus, you know, uh, you know, Marcus Luttrell and people like that, they they do have, you know, groups where they they talk, you know, um, I don't mm-hmm. know if they're I don't think Marcus is licensed as a therapist, but, you know, they have these these groups that get together. But there's not a real uh, nationwide network of individuals that are meant to take this type of abuse. And uh, so if you're out there and need somebody to talk to, let's go. Let's, you know, like Adam told me, he's like, I'm, I'm tempted just to fly down to Texas and have Chris punch me in the face. Cause sometimes you just need to get your ass whooped, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, I, well, I'm bringing you back with Adam. So I'm excited for that. And maybe, I don't know. But with the connection that the two of you have, maybe a business. We've been talking. Is, I I a hundred percent feel like that needs to happen because of what you just said. So that that well, well we're going to talk more we when go. we get Adam back with that a hundred percent. But if you guys love this episode, I hope that you guys tag us. We'll show you back some love. But Chris, I feel like I could talk to you forever. Yeah, you as well. <laughs> but I. But I got to give you back to your wife and your family. But thank you so much. I thank you so much. And I truly, truly appreciate you. Thank you for having me, Danielle. It's been a pleasure.